Well, good morning, Amplified Church. I'm thankful for you today and that you are uh, here to worship with me and with the team and, and with your church body as they meet in their home. And we're so thankful that you have tuned in and, and we can connect in this way despite not being able to be together. I want you to know that we're praying for you, that we love you, and that what God is doing at this time could be unprecedented, that the church could be the hands and feet of Christ. Because we say we exist to amplify the beauty of Christ into a broken world. And so what better way to do that than at a time of crisis? Today they've declared at National Day of Prayer, the president has it. So I just want to take a minute and pray for you as you settle in with your family and, and you watch this and you worship with us. Just let me say a prayer of you today and, and a prayer over our time together in the Word. Father, today we love you. We're so thankful for what you're doing in our church. We're thankful for those who are watching online today at home. And God, I'm praying for them that they would find ways to be your hands and feet in these days. God, help them to not have a spirit of fear, but a, a way to present the gospel to those who need it. Lord, speak to us today, I pray, in these moments. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. One of the things I want to thank you for, church, is being so faithful. Many of you were going to be here if we had church, but because we couldn't, uh, you've asked me, how can we be faithful? And one of the ways you can do that is to continue to, to pray for your church, continue to support uh, those in need. And many of you said, how can we continue to give? We want to support because this is a big season of our church. We're uh, relaunching and relocating at some point uh, very soon. And so you say, how can we do that? Well, you can go uh, to amplifychurchnc.org slash give at our website, and you can give or you can mail your checks in by tithe and uh, by the mail. You can bring it into the church office. But I want to thank you for always being a church that believes that God will provide. And you've, you've always been so generous in that way. So we are praying and believing by faith that these are the biggest, best days ahead for our church. As a Christian, we are not afraid. Somebody asked me, how do we as Christians handle or beat this coronavirus? Here's, here's my response as I thought about it. One, we use faith over fear. And then we have wisdom over worry. And then we pray instead of panic. C.S. Lewis gives great wisdom, which I appreciate. In 1948, there was fear of an atomic bomb, and this is what he said. Think, think about this just in terms of where we are today and how you would handle this. He said, the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible human things, like praying and working and teaching and reading, and listening to music, and bathing the children, and playing tennis, and chatting with our friends, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. Christians, Amplify Church, we are not afraid. We will be courageous. We will also be like cautious, but we will not be careless, and we will, we will not take this to an extreme because we know that God is in control. And I want you to know that we are praying for you in exactly that way. In the days to come, we're going to figure out creative ways to meet. We're going to connect 
uh, online with you and give you materials and devotionals from the staff. And we're going to try to connect with you. We're going to think of creative ways in the week to come, I think, to be able to meet together, hopefully. And we will, we will push all that to you. But in the meantime, I'm praying for you as God is with you and your family. If you have a Bible, you can turn with it to Psalms chapter 13. And, and we're going to read that in just a few minutes. And I want to I share with you what David's feelings were in an anxious time for him. Let me tell you something about myself first. So when my family travels, uh, we try to get the best hotel we can find for the cheapest amount of money. And I kind of pride myself on being an expert and getting that done. I, I find really great hotels for really not much money. I mean, we've been at hotels for less than $50 with bellhops and, and, uh, and room service, and, and we've paid next to nothing for them. Now, the trick I found was to make it to a really large city and wait till evening time and then use a third-party app and get the room and, and, and book it. And then when you get there, they're trying to get rid of rooms, and so you've got this really great room for your family for next to no money. It's only gone bad twice for me. Once, I got a, a room not so cheap, uh, but I made the mistake of getting it in a small town, and when we pulled up, it was a run-down biker motel, you know, where the do doors point out to the parking lot. And so when we pulled up, my wife was trying to be a trooper. She went in to see the room. She came back out, put her seatbelt on and said, it's, it's time to go ahead and go on down the road. So we did. I'm a good husband. So I went on down the road, paid for an expensive hotel in my mind. The second time that has gone bad, my whole trick of getting nice hotels for cheap is recently we took a trip to Florida for a conference and I took my family with me. I decided to drive them 11 hours from North Carolina to Florida and, uh, and we had an amazing trip, but in the middle of that, I decided to get this nice hotel next to nothing. And when we did the third-party app, we got there, and she said, I'm sorry. Now, there's five people in my family. She said, I'm sorry, there's only one bed in the room, and it's a smoking room. And you're not going to like it. Well, she was right. So I ended up paying for that room and getting on down the road. Now, here's the thing. In those moments, you know the ones that are unscripted, you don't know how uh, it's going to play out, you think you've got it figured out. When it's unscripted, how do you handle those bad moments? Life can throw a lot at you, way worse than a bad hotel room. When the diagnosis is bad or when the job situation is bad or when the, the child has gone off the rails and you thought you had the perfect script, but now it's unscripted, what do you do? You can just lose your mind in those moments. But again, Christians, we do not fear. You can, you can let it just derail you, but the Bible says that the, the Christian is full of hope and ready to give an answer for that hope. And that's when you find out what you believe, and that's what, when you find out how you're going to respond. The question I want to ask you today is this. How do you handle bad things when they happen. How do you handle bad things when they happen? And we're God's people. We see a big picture, a, big, a bigger story than us. He gives oftentimes the opportunity in our lives for, for trials and tribulations, and, and there's testing, and, and he walks with us in that testing, and, and we use them to point people to Jesus. We can treat others kindly when they ask why. We say, because of Jesus, 
Christ. For example, we are not the hoard the toilet paper and hand sanitizer kind of people. Now, you may have a lot at your house. I'm not judging you for that. There's a lot of toilet paper at my house. However, the Bible is clear that God will take care of you, and when you see somebody in need, you offer to them. You aren't trying to make money off something. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You're going to go to the grocery store, and you're going to see everybody piling their, their carts full of, of food and necessities, and you're going to get stuff, but you're not going to lose your mind. Why? Because God is with you in these days. We are generous here as a church. We want to do the same thing as a body that you do as an individual. And so we're generous. That's why we ask you to keep helping us to, to continue this ministry. We will help kids who are food insecure, which means when they don't have school, they don't have food. And, and the government agencies try to jump in, but for uh, quite some time now, our church has offered uh, backpack buddies. A couple of our uh, members have gone and and bought the food and made the backpacks and send them home on weekends with kids who don't have food. And, and so we're going to continue that, and we're probably going to ramp that up for kids who don't have it now during the week as well. And we're going to do a food drive. I'm going to tell you about that in a few minutes. And we're going to help at the church those who are coming off the street. Even this morning, somebody yelled from the street to me, hey, are you able to help people? And I want to be able to say, yeah, we can help people because this body is so generous about what God is doing. We do not lose hope when everybody else is losing their mind. And David was in the midst of this struggle. I want to read this passage with you. Psalms chapter 13, verse 1. How long, Lord, how long, O God, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep. And my enemy, verse 4, will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart's rejoicing in salvation. I sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I want to tell you three things today. I want to give you three things that would, that would be what I hope uh, you can take from this passage. One is that you can vent. Venting is okay because things are bad. And literally, God can handle it. God can handle if you need to vent. I mean, David's venting. Things are bad. He even says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? And when life is hard and life is going bad, God can handle your venting. We wonder at what point this was in David's life. And we don't know, but we know in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it's recorded that he has this low point. He's 28 or 30 years old, and he has this moment. If you go back to when he was 12, he's got a pretty starstruck life. He's called out of shepherding by a prophet. He's anointed to be the king of Israel, 12 or 13, this awesome moment. And then at 17, it says that, that he goes to the field, and, and everybody's afraid of this Goliath, this giant, so, so he conquers this giant. And then 
At 20, he gets close to the king of Israel, Saul, and he ends up marrying his daughter. And by 20, he has been crowned the next king. He has, been, he has defeated a, an enemy nobody else will stand up to and saved this nation. And now he's friends with the king and married his daughter. Doesn't get much better than that, likely. He becomes a, mander, a commander. He becomes a successful warrior. And this perfect life seemingly is just scripted to a T. And then in his mid-twenties, it starts to take a really bad turn. And Saul, the king, turns on David. He, he begins to run for his life. He loses his wife because she decides to stay with, with daddy. And he lives in enemy territory, so he won't be found. And he's, um, he's brought together a hundred so warriors with him. And they're trying to survive. They're out just kind of nomading it. And he goes out to conquer this territory. And when he returns, he finds that his home base has been devastated. So literally, he is homeless in some ways. He creates this community. He goes out to to survive, and he comes back and finds out that the women and children are all gone. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, it says, verse 3, When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned. Their wives and sons and daughters had been taken. David and the people who were with him raised their voice and wept until they had no more strength to weep. He cried and wailed so hard and so long that he had no more emotion to give. Verse 6 says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his son and daughters. In other words, all the people he was with were now turning on him because he had led them out and left all their wives and children vulnerable they felt like and so now they wanted to stone him so he, he lost this perfect storytell life and now he's in the in the the you know nowhere with this group of people and now they've turned on him and everybody's been devastated and he says how long oh lord will you forget me i've served you i've served the king i've been good and now i only found, find bad How long, O Lord? And he writes Psalms chapter 13, and it's raw, and it's real, and it's supposed to be a song. It's supposed to be that you would feel it, not just say it, but you would feel it. He is weary and anxious, and he's got dread and fear, and and he says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? I encourage you in these days, if you feel somewhat like David, a little bit venting is okay, God, what's going on? God, how, how do I get through this? But I encourage you to give your mind to God and not allow the fear to overtake you. Recently, I was watching the news to figure out what to do for the church and should we have services, should we not, and, and trying to have conversations. And every time I made a decision, something else had changed, and then I make a decision, something else has changed. So I'm watching the news, uh, the late night news, and, and I'm sitting with my daughter who's with me, and we're watching as... People are just being pulled off from other uh, countries and, and quarantined. And, and in China, they're quarantined and they're, they're uh, forcibly removed. And, and, and it's just terrifying scene. And she says to me, is that going to happen to us? And I say, no, baby, that's not going to happen. You do not have to worry that something bad like that is going to happen to you. 
You trust that I've got us and we're okay, right? That's what God's saying to you. I've got you. You're okay. She also said that at some point in life, she wanted to travel to China uh, and, um, and live there, but she since changed her mind. Uh, she felt like maybe it was better to just stay here, which I agree with her, and I'm thankful for that. But what I know is that, that it's, it's possible for us to let ourselves and let our minds get out of control. And God understands that, and he will allow you to do that. He can handle that, but you cannot plant yourself there. And so a direct line to God Almighty, the believer's arsenal is full of tools, but the, the one that we hold to, the ability to talk to God, to pray to him, to literally say, God, I know you've, you've got me, I, I'm venting, but I'm not camping there. That I've got this direct access to you, that it's human nature to feel like this, but I'm not going to be irrational. The circumstances in life that have turned against you may make you feel like God has betrayed you, but he has not. He has not. Your mind must surrender to the truth. Psalms 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So we will not fear, though the earth give way, and we will not be scared as the mountain is moved into the heart of the sea. We trust in the Lord our God. The second thing is, is you've got to pray because you need God. And he's listening to you. David moved from, from venting to prayer. And we, like David, need God. We need God to bring light into this dark situation. And David would tell you to, to just tell the Lord. And if you don't move from venting to praying, you'll turn on God himself. There are two options. You can either turn on God or turn to God. That's the only options. So prayer is what shifts your focus from your trouble to the size of God and who he is. And David begins to pray in Psalms, or in 1 Samuel chapter 30, he prays that he would be strengthened. He inquires of the Lord, shall I pursue them, these guys that came in and took our wives and children, should I pursue them, shall I overtake them? And the Lord answers him, pursue them, you shall overtake them, and you shall surely rescue. And so David sets out. Literally, he strengthens himself in prayer. He asks the Lord, shall, shall I pursue them? And then he listens, and he gets a yes, pursue them. And so he acts, he sets out, and he goes from venting to prayer, asking and listening and now doing. And David found strength literally in the Lord. That prayer is not a therapy. It is a transformation and a power that the believer has. And so you say, God, I need an open door. Or, or God, I need, I need you to strengthen my health. Or God, I need you to strengthen my mind. Or I need you to strengthen my family. God, I need you. And I need you to, to give me in, endurance. And I need you to give me faith. And it, if it isn't fast, I need you to just walk me through the day until my faith is stronger. And I want to tell you something, church. If you're struggling, and I would encourage you honestly to just borrow my faith for a day. Because I know you're going to be okay. I know God has got this. You might be worried, what am I going to do with the kids with school out? What am I going to do about my job if we shut down? How, how are we going to make ends meet? How are we going to get this? How, we'll, what if we get sick? Everybody's, everybody's, God's got you. And he, he is, is listening to you 
and answering your prayers. And I think we could pray like David, verse 3 and 4. Look on me, God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. My foes will rejoice. And because you can vent but not get stuck, you can pray and ultimately learn to, to trust God. I want to I tell you there are five things I think that you can do to strengthen yourself in the Lord during this season. One, I would severely limit the news media. And I don't care which one you watch either. Cut that mess off. Give it a brief window. Listen to it. Get knowledge that you need to have for these days. Especially if you have little kids, just don't even have it around. It's just it's fear-based, and we are not going to talk like that. We are, we are going to talk about adult things that we have to off to the side. We'll make decisions for our family, but we will not give our family the feeling of being scared or fearful. Second thing I say uh, is to actually limit social media. We're thankful for platforms that we can use like this, but I'm probably going to limit social media while people just lose their minds online. And, uh, and I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord in different ways. That We're going to enjoy the next uh, several weeks. We're going to take walks outside if it's warm, and we're going to play games with the family, and, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to, we're going to make this um, a time of strengthening our family. We're going to, we're going to get names from uh, some nursing homes of people that are quarantined, and we're going to write them letters to just tell them uh, that we're thinking and praying about them and we love them. We're going to read the Bible uh, together as a family, and we're going to pray and we're going to just lean into um, the Parent Cue, which is our app uh, that we use for our kids. And we're going to lean into those messages of, of what the kids have to, to uh, learn and on their level. And then we're literally, number five, we're going to amplify the beauty of Jesus personally. If that's why our church exists, to amplify the beauty of Christ into a broken world, then you do that personally too in your neighborhood and with those you know and those you're around Man, don't hoard things. I mean, seriously, hoarding toilet paper, what has happened? I mean, don't hoard things. Like, help people, right? Maybe check on somebody who's not, um, has access to things that, that you have. Maybe check on somebody older. Maybe uh, give somebody you know a call and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you during this time. They might not need anything, but they know somebody is thinking about them. Uh, maybe you know somebody who needs some food and you give them some of your um, two shopping carts that you bought earlier. Uh, maybe somebody just, just needs a friend and you're just there to kind of help them settle their minds. Whatever you do, strengthen one another in the Lord. Next Sunday, from uh, 10 to 1, hopefully we have figured out a way to have church, but if we don't, either way, you can bring it to church or from 10 to 1, we are going to have an, an area for you to drop off food items to support food banks around our area. We've got several ministries that we are going to be able to uh, fill their banks up. This week they're going to get uh, depleted in many ways. So we're going, to, we're going to go to some food banks we already partner with. We're going to go to uh, Garner Area Ministries. And uh, we're asking you, and we'll, we'll shoot all this information out to you um, by email and social media, but we're going to collect things that they've asked for and, and uh, canned goods and dry uh, food, all that stuff. And, um, but Please, nothing expired. Let's not be those people. Okay, Amplify Church, we bring things that are not expired. But we believe that God can be using us in, in dark days to be light. 
So we're going to do that as a church body, but I want you to do that individually as well. The third thing is, I think, is that you trust because God is good. Literally trust because God is good. He is in control. God doesn't just do good. He literally is good. And even when David couldn't feel it, he knew that he needed to practice trust. Psalms 13 instructs us to remember the goodness of God. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises, for he has been good to me. The Bible's full of stories of courage. I think you ought to take your Bible this, this week and read through different places where there was courage and faith and strength and, and minds being offered to the Lord and emotions being offered to the Lord. <laughs> and when it went off script, you, were, you see where they just pulled themselves back to God Almighty. And then I want you to take the times in your life where, the God, where God has seen you through unscripted moments. And I want you to lay that on top of the Bible. The Word of God, your own personal experiences that God has seen you through. There'll be moments that you don't even know coming that God's going to see you through. I'm stacking all that together to say, God, I love your Word. Teach me and remind me of what you've done in the past and help me to remember that because you are good, you will always be faithful so I can trust you. Don't lose faith in the midst of fear. God is good, and you can trust God, period. You can trust him, period. And I can't, I can't see what he sees, and I don't know what he knows. Here's what I do know. When you stand up and you preach a message, you're often tested or challenged in that very area. So anytime I've, I've spoken on patience, which sometimes I'm not uh, gifted with, my patience is tested. Or sometimes whenever uh, I, I talk about my marriage or, or strengthening our marriages, my marriage is tested. Or when I talk about my kids, my, my relationship with them is tested. Or whatever, whatever area it is. And so I know right now that even as I speak to you that God is speaking and has spoken to me. That I can trust him, period. That I can vent. It's what Psalms 13 teaches me. That, that I can pray. And that ultimately, I'm going to trust him. I'm praying for you today because I believe that God has the best in front of us, that we're going to continue as a church to make bold moves, and that he is with you. I love you. Let me pray for you. God, today I'm thankful for this church, these people who have sat and listened, and maybe family has been there, and probably kids are running around, or, or breakfast is has been getting ready and, and we're, we're just sitting waiting for you. Maybe it's later in the day. I don't know when we watch this, God, but I know that you are in control. God, I pray you would give uh, good days for families who are worried. God, help them to um, learn that they can talk to you in these moments and can trust you as an act of faith. And God, we're going to help one another. We're going to love each other through this. And ultimately, God, we're going to be found as the people of God, not afraid, but full of the Holy Spirit. So in these days, God, give us strength and peace. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Crystal and I love you. Be blessed. <laughs>